So we are in a new series in Galatians. We wrapped up this summer a long series in the book of Proverbs. We called it Making Life Work. So it was all about just the practicalities of life. And we talked about work, responsibility. We talked about justice. We talked about grieving, friendship. We talked about a lot of things. But I'm excited to be back in the weeds with Paul. <laughs> I'm excited to be talking a lot about the gospel for the next five weeks as we look at a chapter a day. And today we are in chapter one. So I want to give you sort of the backstory. We got a lot to do in a short period of time. So I'm going to give you some backstory. We're going to talk about God's story. We're going to talk about these false stories right? And then we're going to talk about Paul's story. That's sort of the, the breakdown of the passage. So we see in verses 1 and 2, and we see in the book of Acts, chapters 1 to 14, some of the backstory. Galatians was written probably in 49 AD. The important thing is this epistle was written before Acts 15. When the church all came together in Jerusalem and had to decide this major controversy because there were people who came from Greek and Latin and all kinds of Gentile backgrounds and those who were Jewish. And they had to decide, like, how can we be a church together? We're all different. And we have very strong beliefs about how things should be. And they came together, and they had to come together and make a compromise. And James, the brother of the Lord, is the one who sat before all the leaders of the church, and they wrote a letter, and they sent it out to all the churches. So we know it was before that. Before that, and we know that that was in 51 A.D. And we know that the issue... The reason that I'm saying this is because Galatians is majorly about this issue of circumcision. Do Christians have to follow the law? Do Christians have to follow all the holidays? Do Christians basically have to become Jewish people to really get God's blessing? Because what had happened was Paul had gone around and told everybody, listen, there's a Savior who's the Savior of the world, and he's the Savior of every type of person you can imagine. And later, after he had left, some other people crept into the churches and said, yeah, 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 Jesus is good and all. We're down with Jesus. But guess what? you got to add some stuff. It's Jesus plus some deep stuff so that you can get real blessing. Now, one day we will walk through the book of Romans in this church, but that day is not today. And, and, and there's a real big difference between the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. They're both written by Paul, but Romans is peaceful, well-argued, long, detailed, and Galatians is emotional, short, and Paul is just dropping gospel bombs. Paul is in his feelings. 
I mean, he is. And we'll see that as we keep going through this book. Now, as we look at this introduction, it's not what we see that's most startling, but it's what we do not see. I mean, right away, he says, this is Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that he says after that, not from man. So Paul's already salty because these people had come in and started to take away something from the gospel. And Paul doesn't say something that he says to just about every single church that he visits. He doesn't say that I'm thankful for you at all in this letter to the Galatians. He never says I'm thankful for you. I mean, Paul says he's thankful to the Corinthian church. Do you hear me? Now, the Corinthians were temple prostitute visiting, like the rich people were eating to the point and drinking to the point where they got drunk, and then their employees and their slaves and their house help would come and would get crumbs, and they had these gifts, words of knowledge, and they were speaking in tongues, and they were bragging about it. I mean, they were dysfunctional. They had Jerry Springer level drama, more drama than the Hallmark Channel. And yet at the same time, Paul starts his letter for the Corinthians and says, I thank God for you before he, you know, spanks them later <laughs> for all those things I mentioned, right? But to the Galatians, and he does not thank God for them. Now, there's a reason for that, you know. When we look at Galatians, um, if you had your Bible, I, I, if, you know, if you have a Bible, a good Bible with maps and all this, you, or if you're kind of familiar with the area, we're talking about the southern part of Turkey. We're talking about pretty much all the little places that were a part of Paul's first missionary journey. So he's writing to this mix of people. He's writing to these people who speak different languages, come from different cities, and he's, he went out there and he worked so hard, and we're talking 15, 16, 17 years later, after that original trip that he made, it seems like everybody that he had led to Jesus has fallen away. Seems like they're just going their own way. And they don't respect him. I know I get this, the ministry. And I know you get it in your life. We don't just have the world beating us down, right? We don't just have to like endure the world belittling the faith and you know telling us we're crazy and all that. We also have those closest to us, those who we look to for encouragement, 
we also are wounded by them. I had, I had a local pastor tell me not that long ago that the ones that you help the most are the ones who hurt you the most. Can we get an amen? Because I think that all of us have experienced this. That the ones you help the most are the ones that hurt you the most. And I bet if I asked you about your family and your friends and we started to list these down, we could relate to Paul in these things. But then he ties it into the next thing and he, he, he moves on from his story. He moves on from the chip on his shoulder of being an apostle, not from men, but from God. And he starts to tell God's story. In fact, it's almost in the very first breath where he talks about the resurrected Jesus. And right in the beginning, we see in verses 1 to 5, what do we see? We see God gave himself up in verse 3. Jesus gave himself up for our sins. You know what? Paul also laid down his life. We're talking about Paul that got shipwrecked. We're talking about Paul that got bitten by poisonous snakes. We're talking about Paul who got stoned, right? And, and he had, went out there and he hustled. And sometimes he'd go to places and they wouldn't even support him. And so he had to work on top of everything else. So he wouldn't be a burden to the people that he was preaching the gospel to. But we see here, he says, he says in these very brief words in verse 3, he says, Jesus was, he's laid down his life for our sins so that we would be with him forever. See, Paul can spit out the whole gospel just in his introduction. <laughs> he can spit out, like, like it's never like he never has to reach for it. He doesn't have to think about it. It's just like right there, like boom, gospel, <laughs> right? That's, that is what Paul eats and drinks and breathes. Jesus was laid down, he laid down his life for our sins, that we would be with him forever. Have you ever shared the gospel? I remember the first person that I led to the Lord, and I remember being super nervous. We were, I was taking a train, and uh, like a little regional train to meet him at this Burger King, and then I got there, and this dude, he slept with like everything that moved. He was one of those guys, no church background, and he wanted to debate me. I mean, that, that was like the context of us meeting. We were going to debate, you know, and I was a Christian for like a minute. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was a baby Christian. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I remember just sitting with this guy and having a meal. And, and I remember, like, for a couple days before we met, I was trying to read stuff, I was trying to talk to people, I was trying to like bone up and know like something to say. And when I got there, I just felt the Lord convicting me like, now nah, you know what, I'm going to just share my story. I'm just gonna share like how, like I was hopeless, I was depressed, I was in a bad way, and Jesus came in and he grabbed me, and I go to a church, right, that started that way, and it was just a house where they brought people in who were addicted, they brought people in who had 
mental health issues, and they just believe that the gospel is big enough for anybody. And after I'd share, I shared my testimony, the guy just looked at me and he says, well, what do I do? What do you do what? What are you talking about? How do I get on that? <laughs> right? And so we just prayed right there in the Burger King. And after we were done praying, he said, you know, it was like I was seeing everything in black and white before, and now I see everything in color. All right? And there is nothing like that, and I, I want that over and over and over again. When you get a taste of that, man, you can't walk back from that. When you get a taste of, like, loving someone, showing up, knocking on someone's door, they know you're there, they don't even come out, but then they start to poke their head out because they knew you were, like, reaching out to them, and you start to see them coming around more, and you start to see God working in them, and they know they're not alone because God's people are reaching out to them and saying there is hope. You are loved. You're not alone. It's, there's just nothing in the world like that. We see Paul, even though he is not in a spot emotionally to thank God for them, what does he say? He doesn't focus on them. He doesn't focus on them immediately. He says, grace and peace be unto you. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, Grace and peace constitute the whole of Christianity. What does everybody need? They need God to treat them in a way that they don't deserve. And they need peace for their guilty conscience. And every single one of us needs these things. We need to be treated better than we deserve. And then we need God to come into our hearts and bring peace that we know we're forgiven. We know we are loved. He sent his son to die for us. That's how bad he wanted to bring us in. You know? And, but the, here's what the Galatians did. They wanted to be deserving of this grace. They struggled with this message of free grace. And, you know, Let's get real. Who helped the Galatians the most? Who helps us the most? Jesus. He helps us the most. Who gets hurt the most? Jesus. We're the ones who hurt Jesus the most. He laid down his life for our sins. Paul may not be in a spot in his heart just to thank God for them. But he's still on the phone with them. He's still texting them. He's still writing them this letter. He's still warning them about the gospel. And he's saying, I am astonished. I am amazed. Whatever the translation you want to use, right? In verse 6, I'm amazed how quickly you've turned from him. And, and here's the thing. He doesn't say how, how quickly you turn from the right religion or how quickly you turn from this set of beliefs, this culture, whatever. When you turn from prayer, when you turn from meeting with the people of God, when you turn from these things, you're not turning from just something you grew up in. You're turning from a person. You're turning from Jesus himself. 
And Paul says, I'm amazed that you turn from him. So that is, this gets us into the story, right? Versus, the, I'm sorry, the false story that we see in this, this text in verses 6 to 10. And the word for the people who infiltrated the Galatian church and who infiltrated the church all over the places is the Judaizers. The Judaizers. And they weren't just a local problem, but they threatened to derail the whole Christian movement. I mean, it was a big deal. I, I had a, uh, the pastor who, who started the church that I became a Christian at, his name was Jack Miller, and you always used to say, my name is Jack. Hi, my name is Jack, and I'm a recovering Pharisee. Now, if anybody has ever been to or, like, seen on TV or whatever, some sort of recovery group, 12-step program, right, you're like, hi, my name is whoever, and then you say, like, the thing you've been struggling with, right? And what he's saying there is, like, look, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I've been one for a long time, but you know what? No matter how much I grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus, I am this. I am a recovering Pharisee because there's a part of me that's wired that wants to get a little bit of glory for myself. There's a deep part in every single one of us that wants not to just receive the free gift of God, but we want to be deserving of it. We, we want to chip in. We want to be someone. We want to be significant. We, we want to work the system. And the Judaizers came in and they said, Jesus is great. But guess what? Along with Jesus, you can get this special blessing if you get circumcised, if you become a follower of the law. And Paul gets really upset about other gospels, right? He talks about... Look, this is another gospel, not that it's a gospel at all. This whole idea that you can get circumcised, the whole idea that you can add on to what Jesus has done with your works, that's not a gospel at all. That's not good news at all. It's false. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of false gospels, don't we? We have a lot of false stories that we believe. You know? We, what do we do? We, we believe that, you know, one of my favorite false gospels that we believe is this idea, like, I don't judge anybody. Like, that's where I root my life in. I make no statement of value on one thing or another. It, that's, the world would be so much better if we just all accepted each other. And the world would be so much better if we didn't put a value on anything, but we just lived and walked in our own way. But then here comes the, here comes the Phariseeism, right? Here it comes. It's about to come. And then they say, you know what? I'm just so glad I'm not like those people. Those bigoted people. I'm glad I, oh, the judgment just came rushing down, right? <laughs> Started off real nice, but it never stays there. Because it's impossible not to take your stand. But the question is, are you going to take your stand on just yourself and your preferences and how you want things to be? Or are you going to take your stand on something bigger than yourself, on the Word of God? 
which is true. And it was true yesterday, and it's true today, and it'll be true tomorrow. Well, there's another other gospel, the prosperity gospel, right? I, I call it jackpot theology. You know why I call it jackpot theology? Because every once in a while somebody wins, but you know who always wins? The house. When you go to the casino and you bet, some days you might win. Most of the time you lose. You go and you, you break the, the, you know, the back of debt or whatever, and you, you give your big gift, and most of the time it, it, it's just you just lost whatever you gave. But you know who always gains? That, that, that pastor, <laughs> right? That church. Here's another false gospel that is gripping us, grabbing our attention. Politics, right? Whether you've got the I'm with her pin or the Make America Great hat, we hang our hope on political victory and a temporal win for some influence for the way we see things and the way we want things to be. And it's not just a, a discussion. It's not just a, a battle of like, well, of, co of course we need to do that. Of course we, we want to see things done in, in, in the right way and we, we ought to be engaged. But we're way more than engaged. We act like this world is all there is. And we're willing to sell our souls and we're willing to lose what is the fruits of the spirit of love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When it comes to the politics, we just become these nasty people, right? That's just like, yeah, you know what I mean? And we'll post something to somebody we don't like and we'll be like, what do you think of that person? And it's like, yeah, you know, pizza, you know what, and all this stuff. But then we're like in church on Sunday acting like, like, no. No, it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. In Gloucester, we got a lot of that false gospel of like, my good family is all I need, you know? And it's hilarious, because we're talking about oftentimes, you know, not to be, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Some, some, some pretty drama-filled family, and we're still like, this is all I need. <laughs> no. No. It's a false gospel. Paul said if an angel from heaven were to come and preach a different gospel, don't grab onto it. See, because I'm not bored with the gospel that I originally heard. I don't know about you. I'm not bored with sin and grace. I'm not bored with being forever with Jesus. I'm not bored with God and man and the story of heaven and hell. Not seeking another gospel. So what if drugs were to ease all my pain? What if the occult were to give me some knowledge and some, you know, power in my life? What if working out and discipline made me think I could, you know, do it all by myself and I didn't have to wear the, the burden and the tag of being a Christian? I got to live for myself. So what? These are all other gospels. What if I could have every single thing I wanted if I just bowed down to another gospel? We are so easily tossed from one thing to another. And you don't think we would be tempted by the Judaizers today? We definitely would be. 
In fact, not only would we be, I, I, I told a story like a year ago of a woman who was exactly a Judaizer. I met her, and she had all these notes, and she was literally telling me, like, we need to get circumcised, we need to follow all the, all the things, and, you know, you don't believe in obedience. <laughs> and I took, her, I took her to the Word in the New Testament. I said, well, what is this then? What is Paul arguing against if not exactly what you're teaching? <laughs> Recently, somebody asked me, what would you do if you got called up, you know, to the big church? What would you do? Like, here's the money, you know? Come on through. <laughs> we want you. I said, man, I got a job to do in Gloucester City. Do you get that? Like, I have a job to do. I have an assignment from God. Every ounce of my being believes that. No money could take me away from that. The only thing that could take me away from that is God. Amen? God saying, nope, you're not there any longer. You need to go over here. Have you ever felt that way about anything? Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes when you feel that way and then you give in to your weakness, it makes a mess of your life. And I know we got testimonies like that here where it's like, I knew I was supposed to do this, and now I'm living on plan B or C or D, and it sucks. Paul feels that way a thousand times more about the gospel. And I pray that you would too. So close with Paul's story in verses 11 to 24. Paul reminds us that he's for real and his message is for real. Look, look like I was more Jewish than anybody. <laughs> these people coming in and saying, you got to follow this, be circumcised that, do these holidays. Guess what? I did it better than them. And I count it all nothing for the sake of knowing Jesus. He reminded them, said, I was so zealous, I was a persecutor of the church. He reminded that God revealed himself to him directly. He wasn't riffing off Peter. It wasn't the remix of what Peter was preaching. Our mission here is to make disciples of Jesus. And, and, and this is important, not make disciples of Dylan. Not make disciples of Joe. Not make disciples of Paul. And Paul is the same way. His mission in his life was not to make disciples of Paul, but of Jesus. See, you can know Jesus directly, not just, you know, what we say about him. That's so important. You can follow him directly. Yeah, we help each other out. But your connection to him is immediate. Paul says, revealed by God himself. Now we know for him, God knocked him off his horse. Right? Paul is telling us, I did not impress God with my zeal before. 
I cannot impress him now with my zeal. And I don't need, of all things, to try to impress you. I mean, he makes this argument like, if I was trying to please people, why would I be following Jesus? I mean, I totally relate with Paul right here. <laughs> to be a follower of Jesus means that people are going to look at you funny. <laughs> to be a follower of Jesus means that people are going to not listen to you. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> right? Get over it. Like, Jesus, the Son of God, had people reject him. So if that's how they treated Jesus, you, raggedy, in debt, can't handle your life, struggling, whatever it is, and they don't listen to you, okay. <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> but all we can do is point people, not to us, because we are imperfect and we are broken and have all kinds of needs, but we point people to the one who is perfect. Amen. And he defends his ministry. He says in the last verse, he says, I don't need the glory, but I don't need the glory, but Jesus needs the glory. So this is really important. This is really important. And we're going to get into the chapters ahead more deeply into the gospel, into the free grace, into what it means to not you know, live in the spirit and not gain blessing through works of the law. We're going to get into all of that. You know what I mean? I'm so excited because we're going to learn new vocabulary of law and grace, and we're going to learn new stuff about the Bible, and it's beautiful, and it's what we need to do. But I want to end this message with this. Like, I am never going to apologize, and we should never apologize for demanding attention for the gospel. Paul... He's humble, but he's not someone that's going to be walked over. When he, he is someone who has authority as he's writing to the Galatians. He says, I am a messenger of Jesus. You are going to listen to me. You're going to hear me say, I'm amazed that you've left the greatest thing to go and be with this ridiculous thing over here. You had the gospel, and now you're trying to work it out on your own in your own power. Nah, that's messed up. Nah, you need to, like, repent of all of that. Paul is saying Jesus plus anything is nothing. But Jesus with nothing is salvation. It's everything. What would it look like if Paul, if, if we could be like Paul, like, Paul was likely, when we look at the commentaries and all that, Paul was likely blind. He, he has people write for him because his eyesight's bad. He didn't speak well. We know that from the Corinthians. He clearly had relationship problems. We read about that in Acts. But God used him so much. He flipped the Mediterranean world absolutely upside down. What could your story be if you were swallowed up in God's story? I'm going to be 40 very soon, halfway down my life, especially the way I live, right? <laughs> Just the reality. <laughs> and it brings a sense of clarity, doesn't it? It brings a sense of, of clarity. There isn't always tomorrow. They say we win or we learn. But I'm asking you, like, when are you going to win, though? <laughs> right? 
Like, do you just have to keep learning? Like, it's time to win. It's time to have victory. It's time to do it God's way. It's time to live in the freedom and love and power of Jesus. It's time to do the thing. I'm going to live for Jesus. And when I say I'm going to live for Jesus, I don't mean like I'm going to pretend to be somebody I'm not. I'm going to, you know, be all perfect. My, my language all cleaned up. My house all cleaned up. I'm going to wait until I'm, you know, Mr. Ron, like I was talking about last week. And I got the white suit and, and, and I got my tuxedo and I go before the altar. No, God wants you in your raggedy clothes to come to the altar. God wants you smelling. God wants you dirty. God wants you just how you really are. And say, I, with all my insecurities, I, with all my problems, I, with my debt, I, with all the drama in my life, I want to give all of that to Jesus. So I want to invite you. Maybe someone here tonight is like, I want to live for Jesus. I want you to come up here. We're going to pray for you. Come up here if you're like, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to live in my own strength. You might already be a Christian. You might have been a Christian for a long time. But you realize. You realize. Man, I need Jesus more in my life. I I need a fresh power from him. I I need him. I've been doing the whole Jesus plus something else. I've been leaning into other things, other gospels. If there's anybody here like that tonight, would you come up? Come up front. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. I remember watching this show, Lost, um, and at the end, there's this guy, Ben, and he's like um, the villain villain, right? And he's always got a, a, like a fourth and fifth agenda. He's always betraying. There's all these groups in politics. And at the very end, he goes to the group that's going to win. And he looks at them with tears in his eyes. And he said, I'll go with you if you'll have me. And the reality is, is that no matter how messed up you've been, no matter how you are half-hearted, no matter how complicated it is in your soul, if you come to him and you say, Lord, take me if you'll have me, every time Jesus will take you. He's never rolling his eyes and he's never saying, you're not for real, get out of my presence. We pray for those sitting in the pews. We pray, Lord, for this town, Lord. Would we long to know you in a fresh way? Would we hunger for you, God? Would we stop playing? Would we stop thinking that there are other ways that we can get the blessing? There's other things more important than you. But, Lord, I pray, Father, that we would give our hearts to you 
wholeheartedly we would say we want to follow you not not we've arrived we've got it all figured out and all our habits are cleaned up but no right now in our mess we're coming up to the altar Lord, we pray for that i pray that that would be a daily habit of ours that we would come to your altar every morning that every morning we'd say lord it's another day i want to live for you today but we say with paul that that you plus anything is nothing but you plus nothing is everything to us it's salvation lord it is your our freedom it is your grace and we thank you in jesus name amen